Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Coming up on this episode of Killer Jean's special series, part two of Was It Suicide or Was It Murder? The Death of Daniel Underwood. An eyewitness to his death says Rebecca was the last person to have control of the gun. Well, I went and uh, knelt beside him and I was telling her she needed to call 911, but she was going up and down the hallway saying, no, wait, hold on, just wait, give me a minute, hold on. Hear from Rebecca, who tells a very different story. Two women are the only witnesses to Daniel's death. Who's telling the truth? The following episode of Killer Jeans contains graphic and sensitive information and material. Listener discretion is advised. Emmy-nominated true crime journalists bring you cases like you've never heard them before. Hear firsthand accounts from the victims' families private investigators, lawyers, law enforcement, and even the convicted. Giving you a complete 360 of the case like no one else can. I'm Melissa McCarty. I'm Kelly McClear. And this is Killer Jeans. So I could see him, you know, kind of telling her to get the F out of his house, you know, because and nothing else really makes sense as far as why he would have done it. Daniel Underwood's sister, Stacy, doesn't believe he would kill himself. The father of three died from a gunshot blast to the face. It was after an argument with his girlfriend, Rebecca Nelson, and a struggle over the gun that was all witnessed by their friend, Maria Harvick. Silver Springs 911, what's your emergency? He shot himself in the head? Where are you at? 331 Carroll Lane. 331 Carroll Lane? Hold on one second, okay? I'll get help on a 203, have a call. Where are you at? Can you be in at Just take a deep breath, okay, ma'am? What is your name? You're going to have to get... Daniel's mother, Donna, was getting ready for bed when she gets a call from an unfamiliar voice. And I had walked through the bedroom and talked to my daughter, was there in the bed, and went on through to mine and was going to lay down and the phone rang, and she was calling me mom. And, you know, it was just like... I'm trying to let it sink in. Who is this calling me? Because I knew I just talked to my daughter, you know, and uh, I did not know who she was by just her voice, you know. What time of night was it? It was like one twenty-four in the morning. Oh, wow. And what were the first words out of her mouth, Rebecca? Well, she said that um, Daniel had just shot himself. And, of course, you know, I didn't know what. And I just started saying, you think he's going to be okay? And I could hear her turn around and talk to some man and saying, is he going to be, uh, do you think he's going to be okay? And they just said no. And, uh, see, when we got up there, she was running around everywhere. They did not put her, you know, tell her, you know, you stay right here in this, stay away from everybody. They didn't separate her or nothing. And when we come up, it was kind of mist and rain, and she was going out and hugging everybody that was around. And so you and your daughter raced over to Daniel's house. 
and my husband, he was alive then. I remember I had just lay down and um, I was thinking about texting him, but I was like, no, I'll wait. You know, it, it was pretty late. And then um, I could hear her kind of screaming, is he okay? Is he okay? And I'm thinking, you know, like, what's going on? Well, then she was um, got off the phone and she was told me to go get my dad, like wake him up and that we need to go um, to my brother's house. But he, she wouldn't tell me anything else. So I, did, I remember I got dad awake and I went back to my mom and I was putting on my shoes and she, I kept asking her and finally she was like, Bubba shot. There was two ambulances there and we thought because they wouldn't let, of course they wouldn't let us in the house and they had it roped off and told us to go into the hospital and wait there. And that's where we went to wait. And while we were there, there was these people showing up and you know, when you're in shock anyway, you don't even think about it. And I didn't know that they were there relaying messages back to Rebecca while she was doing her interview. As the family gathered at the hospital, a nurse came out to tell them Daniel had passed away. Donna said Rebecca immediately started saying she is the beneficiary of Daniel's belongings. At the same moment, Donna was trying to register her son's sudden death. And by this time, you know, I was just crying again, and I just held the phone away from me so she couldn't hear me crying, you know. And I'm thinking, why are you cussing us? We don't even know. You know, we're, it's at the most shocking point of our life, and you're cussing us out. It was just unreal. What did Rebecca tell you happened that night? You know, what was the, the timeline of events that you either learned from Rebecca or from law enforcement? Oh, uh, she told us before the law got there to talk to us. Uh, when we went up, when, like I said, we been the chaplain and they released her and she come up there and I walked into the hall and I said, now what happened? And she started telling me, and there wasn't a tear or nothing. She was squinting her eyes. And then when I seen Daniel's blood on her hands and her arms and stuff, and I said, is that Daniel's blood? And she was just like, she was so happy that I finally, you know, realized and seen it. And people were trying to get her to wash her hands, and she didn't even want to wash her hands. And uh, she said that she, that he, he checked the bank account and that, it was like forty something dollars. Sorry, I'm going to have you take us back a little bit further. You know okay. what? What were they doing that night prior to when he sat down at the computer? Like, did they go out for drinks? Were they at the house the whole yes. night? Like, right before he sat down at the computer? They had been out to the bars drinking and uh, playing pool. And I don't. I think she's. They. I don't know. Now this is just what I've heard that she was saying maybe some karaoke. And that um, when they come back, then supposedly Daniel had looked at the bank account. Well, in the police report, it's got that Daniel had looked at the bank account due to a lit cigarette in the ashtray sitting there by the laptop. And uh, in the crime scene photos, there's no ashtray. There's no lit cigarette. There is her brand of cigarette sitting there and Coke, which she always drank Coke and whiskey, and he drank beer. 
And that was what was sitting on the table by the uh, laptop. Plus, I always, I called the bank and I couldn't understand how they got that screen right back up there because it is already logged out. You know, it had like a 10, 10 minutes or whatever was when you're not active on it. And uh, it was logged back onto the bank account. So I kind of found that strange too. But anyway, I'm just saying that they use that as one of their facts that it was Daniel and you know, they didn't have, they don't have any fact. They don't have any fact that it was Daniel. Yeah, I wonder, if, did Rebecca have his login information? She must have. Oh, well, yeah, she come back to the house and sold his laptop and stuff and wiped stuff off of it. And we had to hunt and pack and everything else to get, you know, any logins and stuff that we could find on it. And uh, she erased all his contacts off his phone and I mean, just all kinds of stuff that, you know, uh, we found checks where she had wrote, and it was like, I don't know, somewhere around $1,000. But she had signed D. Underwood, and uh, I took him up to the police station, and he just told me to hang on to him. But since uh, other people knew that she had used his account, because I'd already knew that it was, you know, he had never put her on it. I'd checked with Link, and he was, it was still, he was the only signer on it. And uh, she said the only person that would know would be her mom. So what was her account of what happened? He went and checked his bank account, saw that it was in the red, or mm-hmm. what was the dollar, or was there a specific dollar amount left? And then what transpired, for, according to Yeah, Rebecca? it was like, I won't, um, without looking, it was like $42, maybe something like that. And uh, then he, she said he jumped up and and uh, said he was going to show her. And he went to the bedroom and got the gun out behind the headboard. Of the, but he, they, there was a headboard on that bed, so I don't know what that was either. The shell that was in that gun did not even belong in it. They never did find a box of the half a box of shells or the and then he had some slugs too. They never did find that. She claimed that it was in the Durango, but we never seen them. So he went to go grab what kind of gun was it and then what did she say transpired after he came back and and brought this gun to the living room? Okay okay. It was a, a twelve gauge. It was a sawed off but it was a legal length. So the barrel part was like 18 and a half inches, and I don't have a measurement. We've got it all measured. But anyway, she said that uh, she grabbed for the gun, and it moved and got the side of his face, and she got his hand. She ended up uh, grabbing his hand. And the detective asked her later about, did she grab his hand? And she said, no, she didn't grab his hand. That she grabbed it after he was down on the floor, but that's a lie because she told me straight up that uh, she grabbed for the gun. Because at that point in in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, is it possible? You know, it was, she accidentally made it go off. That's what I'm thinking then. But after everything else, I'm like, no, I think this was fully intentional.
Hi, Killer Jeans listeners. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, I have a question for you. Do you work out? Maybe you do yoga or listen to this podcast to relax? Do you eat healthy to take care of yourself? That's all great, but what are you doing about your mental and emotional health? Is there something interfering with your happiness or something preventing you from achieving your goals? What if I told you that there is convenient and affordable help out there? BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, is professional online therapy that connects you with licensed therapists where you can talk about your problems or issues or struggles or whatever's on your mind. And you can do it at a time and location that works best for you. Now, BetterHelp is changing the way we approach mental health and making it easier than ever to schedule sessions with an experienced therapist that matches your needs. Take it from over, gosh, the 200 million plus people that have joined BetterHelp to start living a happier life today. There's a special offer for Killer Jeans listeners. Get 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp.com slash killerjeans. That's better H-E-L-P slash killerjeans. Because your mental health is just as important as your physical health. Get started today at betterhelp.com slash killerjeans. Before we strip down the forensics and why nationwide experts are saying Daniel's death was no suicide, listen to Rebecca tell her version of events to lead detective Bo Fox over the course of multiple interrogation interviews. Detective Fox starts off by asking Rebecca about her relationship with Daniel and their financial situation. And y'all were engaged? Mm-hmm. When, when was the engagement? That's okay. There's all different kinds of relationships people have, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, men, you know, some people some people fight a lot, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? That's the way the whole relationship is. Other people never have arguments with their, with their spouse or their fiancé or whatever. What, how would you describe your relationship? Never arguing. Never? Everything's always Everything's pretty much good? <laughs> okay. Now... Do you work? I work for my parents still. What do you do for them? Buy an entry surgery. Do you make a salary? An hourly wage. Hourly wage. What about him? Um, he has recently quit Hydro Lemon and Commerce. Why did he quit? He was tired of working nights all the time. Now, did y'all rent that house at home? He owns it. He owns it. He can make payments on it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what is what is the house? What, what, what's the payments on that house? Six hundred a month. Six hundred a month. Now, so y'all was living. Um, the taxes and everything. So you, y'all was living on what you make? No, I was in my office for one k. Okay, it's off his retirement basically. Mm-hmm. Um, where was that 401k from, you know? I went out of So he worked out there a while? Six years. Six years. What was, how, how did he feel about all this, about not working? Uh, he was fine with that. He wanted to take a couple of weeks off. And... So you wouldn't say he was depressed? He never seemed really depressed. I noticed on the way home from 8th tonight, he didn't say a word all the way home. Was he pretty 
How would you describe his his, his personality? Was he an even keel person, or was he a roller coaster type person? Even, I mean, he was just free modern all the time. Okay. Um, so, what is y'all financial system? Now, do y'all have separate accounts, separate checking? No. Y'all are all together. Yeah, I use a checking account. Everything. So, you put your paycheck in his checking account. How would you describe y'all's financial situation here in the past since you quit his job? He's been fine. Okay. And he's like having a $25,000 chart, he put it in the bank, and that's what we've been living on. Okay. He um, had a couple of loans out at the bank, he paid those off, and um, he owed his ex-father-in-law like three grand. He borrowed that, waiting on his check to come in, for mm -hmm. like 30 days. And she gave that back to him and put the rest of it in the bank. The detective is referring to Daniel's 401k he cashed out after quitting his aluminum plant job. He received $25,000 and paid off some debt. Then he discovered a chunk of the remaining money was missing. His bank account was now in the red. On September 4th of 2008, Daniel discovered his account was bled dry he would be dead later that night. Did y'all wake up together? Mm-hmm. What time do you think you woke up? Mm -hmm. One o'clock in the afternoon. One o'clock in the afternoon? Mm-hmm. We started watching movies, telling on the couch. Hours later, they went their separate ways for a bit, then met up again for lunch in the late afternoon. We went over to that new Mexican restaurant, and we were laughing and cutting up, and he was in a wonderful mood. Their night out started with happy hour. Y'all drank some beer? Yeah, we had a couple of beers, played some pool. Nina, the old bartender over there, was getting on rate with everybody at the bar. Gosh, she was pretty drunk. And um, she started in on Maria, my roommate. And since Nina and I have known each other for like five or six years, you know, never had a problem. I kind of said, hey, Nina, you know, it's just cool. But Go back and sit down and let me know, no big deal. And, and I, and then walked around Maria and then walked around Daniel, walked around me and stood right here next to me. And I thought everything was over. The next thing I know, she grabbed me by the hair and pulled me out of Marshall backwards. Okay. And I, by the time I got away from her and Daniel, and I walked his arms around her, spit off of me, and uh, everything was fine after that, and then they escorted Nina out. How much do you think Daniel had to drink at the lounge? Uh, oh, let's see, he had one bottle, he had three mugs, which are supposed they say they're 25 ounces a piece, and then he had one more bottle. Two bottles, three months? Yeah. Daniel's mother, Donna, had stated that she had received an email from one of his friends saying Daniel knew about the missing funds. Did he suspect Rebecca stole the money and was going to tell her to move out? Well, according to Rebecca, all was well with their relationship. Were you planning on leaving them? No, I didn't. Okay. I heard that rumor too. Do you know why people would be saying that right now? I have no idea. Okay. But you were not planning on leaving? No. We were planning a vacation this weekend with my birthday tomorrow. We were going to Shreveport for the weekend. Okay. 
I mean, we already set a wedding date, and, yeah. you know, we had plans set up. Okay. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the gun. I'm just going to sort of skip around here, okay, yeah. because I've, I've got just some different things I want to talk about. The shotgun. Mm-hmm. The, where did that shotgun come from, do you know? I thought it came from his dad. I thought his dad gave it to him, what he told me, I thought. Uh-huh. But um, I've heard around town that some guy named Mike gave it to him, or Brandon gave it to him. I've heard three different stories, so I don't know. Had you seen shotgun before? Yes. Um, when was the first time you saw it? When, when I moved in, because he kept it behind his side of the bed, loaded. Now, you say y'all shared that checking account? Well, I wasn't on it, but he gave me a checkbook and his credit card and for me to use because I deposited my checks in that account. So you signed some of his checks? Mm-hmm. Did you sign his name or your name? D. Underwood. Okay. When he told me to write. D. Underwood. Mm-hmm. And you have his permission to do this? Yes, I did. Would anybody else know this? My mother. When the gunshot went off, actually, did you actually see him? Did you actually see him when the gunshot went off? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was six inches from my face. Like I said, I found a bruise still here from the butt of the gun. Right. Um, and we were face to face. Were you holding his hand at that time? No. Okay. Well, I don't remember. I didn't remember you saying that, but again, like, no, I had um, I had dropped my knees, and mm-hmm. I, when I stood back up, it's when the gun when he shot the gun. So I stood back up. Listen closely to this next clip when Detective Fox asks Rebecca what happened to Daniel's belongings, including his cell phone. Did you... They were there when I handed over... Did you spell his cell phone? Are you giving it to his mm-hmm. parents, right? And the computer also, is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I just wanted to get my stuff did off. Did you erase of everything off of both of them? I just erased my stuff. Off of what? The computer? The laptop, yeah. What about I, the phone? I, I didn't erase anything off the phone. Did anybody you know erase anybody anything off the phone? Yes. What? Jason erased the numbers. Jason. I don't know his last name. Chaney's husband. Who's Chaney? His best friend. I don't know their last name. Who's who's your best friend? Daniel. Daniel's best friend's husband? Mm Mm-hmm. You don't know their last name and your best friends? I just met Chaney the other day. They always talk on the phone. Davis Street. Davis Street? Where at? Why? Because I asked him to. I asked him to get my numbers out. My friend's numbers and my number. Well, I understand this battery thing was taken out. Well, it and it went, you know, when I dropped it, the battery came out. He's had problems with that phone. It's erased numbers before. I just erased. I just had him erase my phone well, number. I can, I can take battery out of my phone. I know. His was messed up, though. It was done before. It was But I just erased my phone number. My parents' phone number, and I don't understand the purpose of doing that. Because I knew she was going to start with me, because of what's going on. That's estimated blame, mm-hmm. and I didn't need her calling any of my friends. You know, what kind of slander she's doing in town? I mean, I went to look for a job yesterday because now I have to get a job, and nobody will even look at me. Yeah, but when you write stuff, you just give her ammunition. Well, yeah, and I thought about that yesterday when she came, when they met me and my mom and dad. What all did you erase from the computer? Just my, my personal stuff. I didn't erase it. I downloaded it all. Well, I guess I did erase it from the computer. I just downloaded my divorce papers that I had on there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my file that I had transferred over from my mom's computer to that, to that one following, yes, that's all I did. Did anybody else erase anything? No, nobody else touched the laptop. So none of his stuff is erased off there? No banking stuff is no, erased off of there? No, no, The only thing you erased from it is? My file. Your file? Mm-hmm. And what does your file consist of? My daughter's pictures, um, divorce papers that are mine, uh, my resume. Rebecca admits to erasing all data from Daniel's cell phone and laptop. After addressing multiple rumors swirling throughout the small town of Sulphur Springs regarding Daniel's death, Detective Fox addresses rumors related to none other than him. Another thing I'm being told is that you have said that you and I were having some sort of relation. What? I said that we had, no. we had a case that you were uh, helped tips on before. Uh-huh. That's how I knew you. Okay. I would never. Because that's not true. That's not true. Okay. No, I never said that. Rebecca was allegedly telling people she had helped Detective Fox with the case in the past. Remember this. She then keeps referring to Jason, Daniel's best friend, who erased all ties to her and the contacts on his cell and laptop by her request. I don't care. There's no reason to do any of that, okay? That, that doesn't look anything but bad. Anything but bad to do that, okay? Now, I'm going to take that stuff, and I'm going to have to have an examine to see why in the heck you're erasing stuff off of it. I just don't want any more surprises in this investigation, okay? That's what I, I don't like being blindsided by anybody. I know. Me, but me, I, I didn't think anything about it at the time, and now I do understand. One more question I want to ask you. Are you married right now? Yeah. You are married right now. Mm-hmm. But you, had a, but you were engaged. Yeah, we were working on my divorce. Rebecca says Daniel was angry over his account balance and missing money. We always check the bank account at night when we've been out. So know how much what, you know what Maria was doing when she, she was changing? She was changing. She was talking to Jimbo on the phone in her bedroom and changing her clothes. Okay. And, um... checking your bank statement online? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you do that every night? Every night and every morning. We do that every night and every morning. Who was checking you? He was. Would you sit in on the couch right next to it? Yeah, right next to it. That was his spot on the couch. He said, well, come here. I want to show you something. And I was like, what? You know, I was already comfortable with my spot on the couch. Had my shoes kicked off, feet up on the couch, you know. And so I get up and I go over there and I look. And he said, we've got all our bills paid and we're still like $42 in the fall. And I said, that looks pretty good if all our bills are paid, you know. And, um... He said, what am I supposed to do about, you know, what am I supposed to do, Rebecca? And I said, well, I don't know, let's just worry about it tomorrow, you know, because he was drunk. And, um, he was like, no, Rebecca, I mean, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I can get a better job. I know mother's not paying me that much. You know, it's no big deal. Let's just worry about it tomorrow. When did you discover this money was unaccountable? Oh, well, he kept the cash there at the house in a jar, and he told me to go get a jar bill out of there for the gas in the truck one day, and I don't like to keep account of how much money. Where did he keep his truck? It was a jar on the mantle there, separating the kitchen and the living room. That Is there any money left in that mantle now? Okay. 
So the the, the two thousand wasn't unaccounted for out of your checking account, but it was unaccounted for in cash. Rebecca says that Daniel ran for the shotgun, and a struggle in the hallway went on for a few minutes. She then says whose finger was on the trigger. I grabbed the top of the gun. What, the where where are you at when you grabbed the gun? Well, he turned me around by then. So my back's against that middle door. He turned you around? Mm-hmm. So how, how, did, how did the contact begin? Um, I don't know. Like did I said, I grabbed the top of the gun. Did he grab you and turn you around? No, he turned the gun. So okay. I went with it because I had a hold. So the top you grabbed the top of the gun. And he turned around? My finger's on top of it. He turned around, I turned around with it. My finger's on the top with it. Okay, so what position are you in now? My back's against that linen closet door. Okay. And he's in front of me, like, right here. Okay, What is the front of the gun or the back of the gun facing you? Can you remember? Yeah. Okay. The guard's still The guard is facing you? Yeah, where the trigger is. Okay. Is the gun still pointed up? Or pointed in? Okay. And you still have a hold of the barrel? Whatever the problem is, we can fix it. Just put the gun down. Did you grab the gun again? Okay. I didn't grab the gun again because the look in his eye. Yeah. It's like he was trying to... He finally took the gun out from under his chin, but he still had it up. And his finger was still on the trigger. I don't know if he was going to set the gun down, what he was doing. He didn't say a word. He just bent over and shot. Maria Harvick, who was at the house that night, said Daniel's finger was off the trigger. That's why she turned her head. She also said they hesitated in calling for help. What happened uh, between you and Rebecca after Daniel was shot? Well, I went and uh, knelt beside him, and I was telling her she needed to call 911, but she was going up and down the hallway saying, no, wait, hold on, just wait, give me a minute, hold on. And I told her, wait for what? I said, we need to call 911. And so I got up and was fixing to go down the hall to, to get the phone and call. And then that's when she said, no, I'll do it. She ran into the living room and grabbed his phone. And finally, but before she called, she told me uh, not to tell them that they'd been arguing and everything from the bar and stuff. And not to tell them about her getting jealous about that lady playing pool. Rebecca told Detective Fox that Daniel never talked about suicide or that he was depressed, but then later says he did make a heartfelt confession to her. Has he ever talked about hurting himself, suicide, anything since you've known him? 
Detective Fox concludes his interview with Rebecca and offers his condolences and the uncertainty of understanding why a loved one would take their own life. Even though Rebecca admitted to struggling with Daniel over the shotgun, it wasn't investigated as a homicide or even determined to be an accidental shooting. It was ruled a suicide. Following her instincts that were telling her her son Daniel's death was no suicide, Donna puts on her detective's hat requesting public records, even filing subpoenas to get all evidence surrounding her son's death. You said that you examined all of these crime scene images, which has to be really difficult to do as a as a parent who just lost her son. I mean, you're now wearing the hat of a detective to try and figure out and get answers. I know that must have been trying on you. Did you? Yes. Well, it took me, you know, from the time we got them, uh, December uh, 30th. And, of course, we went through them, but it was, you know, it was horrible. But that whole year, I can just remember staying up and trying to see what, you know, did was it like it would have been, you know, suicide. Donna requested Daniel's laptop back from Rebecca. When she received it, she searched through the whole thing. All the files and internet usage she could get access to, and she says it included the computer's history on the day he died. But what really got me is on the 9th and the 4th, which is the day that Daniel died, that afternoon, it shows it on 1809, which I guess that was 409, that she's playing uh, pool, I mean, uh, poker, I guess it is, billboard, and it's his billboard card, and she's putting her chips up on the dealer tray or whatever you do to that, and she goes, it goes for a, a while, she's playing poker, poker that day, and I'm just like, I just cannot fathom, you're telling me, or anybody, that you cared anything about him, and you're on his laptop playing games. The same day he died, you know, I just disfloored me. And we, I have uh, also where she, you know, she kept Daniel's phone, and uh, she was pulling his phone out of the pocket, her pocket, some pulling her phone out, and before uh, while she was in the interviews, and that I have records where she phone calls she made and she made some you know before she ever got her the DSR done on her hands too so there you've got her pulling her hands in and out of her pockets you've got her hugging on people you've got her um, out in a misty rain before she gets her hands done for the DSR so all of it you know I mean it's just a little bit here and there, I go back to when I was always, they always told me, now, Mrs. Underwood, you know, and I thought at that time, maybe I am looking, you know, too too far into stuff and thinking, you know, 
But, you know, even now, I mean, I'm not doing it for revenge. I just, you know, somebody does something and they need to be held accountable. Do you believe your son was murdered or are you just still unsure? I mean, let's take no, into it. No, I believe he was murdered. You yeah, do? I believe after, after he found out that all that money and the cash was gone, and I believe he was murdered. Stacy said it's been difficult watching her mom dive into every detail of Daniel's death. At first, you know, seeing her look through all the photographs and everything, you know, it was sad and it was heartbreaking that, you know, any mother or any person should have to do that. And then um, after, you know, the kind of overwhelming sense of all that went through us and everything, then it was more of a, okay, well, we're looking at this because we have to find answers because he's not going to get any, you know, from the police here or whatever, you know, we're his only voice now. We have to find something that's going to help, you know, get justice for him. Coming up on part three of this special suicide or murder case, Daniel Underwood's mom hires a private investigator and forensic expert. What was your impression of the case file? Poor job. And years later, another witness with damaging information against Rebecca comes forward. I just thought she was some drug girl just talking crap, you know. And it was literally two years later that I actually read the article that they had posted in Sulphur Springs. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my God, that story that that girl told me is actually true. Thanks everyone for listening. Follow Killer Jeans on Facebook and on Instagram. It's at Killer Jeans, the podcast. Also, be sure to like and subscribe to Killer Jeans on Podcast One, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts.